Well, it's been a few weeks since we looked at our study that we began, and that is on the subject of biblical stewardship. Consequently, I want to take a few moments just to remind us about our beginnings and where we were, not only for those who weren't here, but just to remind us all our direction as we look at the subject of biblical stewardship. When we think about stewardship, a steward is a person who's put in charge over something, anything he's been said, this is what I would like you to be in charge of, and they become a steward. While we're considering the Christian walk in our study at this point, also we saw that a steward is accountable because God has given us a responsibility we will one day answer for that responsibility in whichever realm we, we find it. And in light of that, a stewardship must not be abused. We must be faithful in the task that is given to us. And we'll see as this unfolds even today that we do have responsibilities that we are to do. And then last, a stewardship is a privilege given by God. As I think about that, I think of the illustration of somebody being asked to watch your children. That's a special responsibility. They're trusting you with their dear family. Well, God is entrusting us as our Lord and our Savior. I want to remind you that last time we looked at the gospel, if you will, as it came forth from the word lips of Paul. And would you turn to 1 Corinthians, please, chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And as we reflect upon this, I just want to remind you of a passage we looked at again a few weeks ago as we looked at the subject of the gospel coming forth. And I ask you to follow as I begin at verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 says, Moreover, brethren, as Paul's writing to the Corinthians, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and then he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's the summation of the message that Paul brought. But how did it come? Well, Paul stated twice in that portion, he said this, I preached to you. And that word preach means to announce or declare as a herald. I have something to say. And with that, he brought forth the message of the gospel to the Corinthians. Now, this leads us to some questions we want to ask. One, why did Paul preach the gospel? Well, in different places, he told us why. In 1 Corinthians, for example, he said, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. When you call for woe, it's a judgment. God, judge me if I'm not faithful in preaching to you. 
Later on, he said this as he wrote to the Colossians, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. It was a stewardship to minister the word of God. And so again, he was faithful in doing that. Or as he wrote to the Romans, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and unwise. I'm a debtor. I owe it. See, it wasn't something Paul took lightly to be able to bring forth or declare the gospel message. It was something that was important to him. There are other verses that Paul ta that talk about Paul's desire to share the gospel. But one thing he realized, it was a stewardship given to him, and he was excited about it. There are things we get excited about. Uh, when our team wins the championship, I remember when I was 11 years old, my team won. That was the last time. Um, at least football goes. Um, but we get excited about different things. Paul was excited about the gospel. Now, I want to look at some passages that are not only foundational for Paul, but for us. I want to look at our lives now, moving from Paul to where we are. And the question we begin with is this. Why should we preach the gospel? Why? Well, I want to share three thoughts again that we've touched on, and I want to remind you. And one is this. It's primarily because the stewardship is given to us by God. Before Jesus returned to heaven, he met with his disciples, and he said, I have a job for you. I want you to be ministering in the world. Paul taught, or we find in Acts chapter 1, a description given of it when he said, but you shall receive power, authority, when the Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me, he says, beginning in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. You'll start where you are, and it'll go out. And that's what happened. Like ripples of water going forth, the stone lands and the water and the ripples go out. That's the way the gospel was to go forth. And so the church would begin using the word that God had given and the power of the Spirit. So one reason, it's a stewardship given. But second, we also see because of our love for the Savior. In 2 Corinthians, we read, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge that if Christ died for one, then all die. It compels me. We love our Lord, and we want others to know about him. And you know what? If you're truly saved, if you truly know the Lord, it will be natural to live for him and talk about him. It will be part of your life. That's what we find when something is important to us. And then there's a third reason, and that is because of the plight of the sinner. As we think about this, mankind without Christ is destined for hell. We read in Revelation chapter 20, whoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Those are pointed in real words, and we must take them seriously. People we know, our neighbors, our relatives, our friends, 
our workmates, and on we could go. Without a Savior are going to perish. And we need to look at them in that context. Now, in looking at our stewardship, that takes us all to where we are really today. What we've looked at the last few weeks, now I want to move on and look at this. Why don't we? Or why does it seem we don't take our stewardship seriously? At times, doesn't it seem like we don't? Even as I look in the mirror, am I taking my stewardship seriously? I'm going to answer that question. And let me share one reason that I think at times we don't. And it's because we don't take Scripture seriously. We don't take the Word of God that we hold dear as serious as we should. Now, this word, we, why don't we take it seriously? That word, we, I'm referring to believers. And we're going to look at this more in a moment. But this is what we want to consider over the next few weeks, and that is our relationship to sharing the gospel in the context of the church. And it's a ministry that ties to others. Peter wrote this. And it's important we understand that when it comes to the word of God. He said, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Now what's he saying here? What, think about a newborn babe. It comes time during the day, whenever that time is, the baby is hungry. They they, I mean, they're only a few weeks old, and they are hungry. And whether, however you feed, you get the bottle out, and there's that excitement, and then you pack the bottle, and they drink. That's how newborn babes do it. Well, that's how the Christian is to handle the word of God. As a newborn babe, desire the pure milk of the word. Why? That you might grow thereby. Now, the child doesn't know they're growing. But the believer, we ought to be in the word growing. And if you really tasted the word of God, that's something that you're going to be excited about. Are we? Are we excited about the word of God? Some have been saved here for many years. And you almost take it for granted. But what about, are we taking the scriptures seriously. Well, in light of that, let's move on and look at the need to understand our God-given stewardship in this area. Um, it can only be done as we begin to digest the manual God has given to us. You know, when you get a new thing, whatever it is, they come with an instruction manual. And in that manual, it usually tells you how to put it together and how to use it. Um, after you work on it for a while, you begin to look for the manual. You, you don't start with it right away. Well, in this case, we need to start there. In fact, that's what Peter talks about when he said in 1 Peter, sanctify or set the Lord God in your hearts. Set him apart and always be ready to give a defense, an answer. To everyone who asks a reason for the hope that is in you. 
And by the way, give us a mitzvah, sincere kindness. But be ready to give an answer. What to be ready means I need to know where the answer is. I need to learn my tool, the scriptures. That's what God has given me. That's what God uses to change our lives, to help us grow. An exciting instrument. In fact, how exciting? Well, Paul talked about that in Romans when he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For notice, it's the power of God. That word power is the Greek word dynamis, where we get the word dynamite. It's the dynamite of God to salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. What's he mean? It's the power to save people. Now, why do people need to be saved? Well, Ephesians says, you has he made alive who are dead in trespasses and sin. An unsaved person, a person who doesn't know the Lord, is said to be dead. Now, I want you to go over to a dead person sometime and talk to them. And notice they don't respond. They're dead. Okay, we understand that. And yet it is the gospel that takes people who are spiritually dead, makes them alive for eternity. And you and I, as believers, have been entrusted with that gospel. Now, as I mentioned earlier, many of you have spent life, your life in the church. But you take for granted the centrality of Bible preaching. There ought to be something we ought to be excited about. And we ought to be excited about the Bible. Now, for one look, if you will, as we think about taking the Bible seriously, I want to share some reasons why we should be doing that. Why we should be doing that. And the first one is this. Reading the Bible is how I understood the gospel. Reading the Bible is how I understood my need of the gospel. When a person is born again, when the power of God comes upon them, the scriptures are come forth, maybe through preaching, maybe through somebody sharing a gospel track. However, the word comes. And that's what God uses to save us. We don't always understand everything, but we do know that's what he does. If you would, turn in your Bibles, because we're turning, John chapter 5. John chapter 5. I want you to pick up what Jesus said about the gospel in these two verses here. In John 5, as we think about the gospel. The gospel that we need to understand. We're given new life. How does it happen? Well, look at John 5, verse 39. Jesus made these his statement. He said, you search the scriptures. Do it. You search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. And then he says to his crowd, but you're not willing to come to me. That you might have life. Search. It just may be you don't want to. When I was first saved, something happened. Let me tell you what it was. Well, no, I can't. I don't know. 
But when God saved me, something happened. My heart was changed. I, I, I was given life. If you will, it was like taking a, a painting and putting on that background with a wide brush and just kind of laying some foundation. But then as the painting goes on, you take the narrower brushes and you put the fine details. And all of a sudden a picture shows. That's what being a Christian is. The fine details. It starts with little understanding. But as we grow in the word, we ought to have more and more of an understanding. As Jesus said as he prayed to his father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And so we find ourselves in the word growing because we're saved. Second, reading the Bible helps me discover I should live as a steward. In Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It gives me direction. It tells me how I'm going to go forth. Would you turn to Psalm 1, please? We find this illustrated in Psalm 1. And again, reflecting upon the need go forth as a steward. I, I like the, the picture here that we're given in Psalm 1 as the psalmist gives us really a picture of the Christian walk. And we read this beginning at verse 1 of Psalm 1. He says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the paths of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. In other words, his Desire isn't to learn from the unsaved, but verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Verse 3. He'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, which brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. See, as I am in the scriptures as a steward in growing and learning, it gets to be such an exciting idea to delight in the law of the Lord. But another passage I'd ask you to go to, way back to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. This has become one of my favorite texts as we see how the word of God works in our life and think about the direction we are going H helping me discover how I should live as a steward look at 2 Peter 1 beginning at verse we'll, we'll start at verse 2 it says grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord as his divine power has given to us, notice these words, all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Where? In the word of God. That through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, 
having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But notice verse 3, he's given to us all things that we need for life and godliness. And that comes to the knowledge of Christ, the word of God, if you will. He's equipped us to go forth as stewards. But in light of that, there's something else we need to realize the word of God does, and it's in the context of our walk as stewards, and it is this. Reading the Bible helps me understand trials and difficulties in life. Now, those are scary thoughts, trials and difficulties. Trials are never fun, and they hurt. This morning, I'll tell you something that happened to my wife. She went through a door, grabbed the door, and closed it. And when she closed it, she was holding onto the door. And when she was holding onto the door, her hand stayed in the door. And she closed her fingers right in the door. And you know what? She let me know it hurt. It hurt for a while, and then it still hurt. Well, see, trials aren't planned. They seem to come, and they're difficult to face. They aren't fun. We all face them. You look at your body sometimes. And the older you get, the more you learn about difficulties and trials. Trials come from without. They're never fun. But they are a tool that God uses to help us grow and to minister to others. This past week, for example, I received a text. And I want to read you this text, okay? And it's this. It's from a person, a pastor, who has recently retired. And here's what he wrote. How do I deal with an increasing sense of of uselessness. That's it. How do I deal with an increasing sense of uselessness? But let me ask you a question. What if you were the one to receive that text or something similar? That is a trial about life, is it not? Let me remind you of a few passages given to us tied to the Word of God. For example, in Psalm 119, we read this. The psalmist said, before I was afflicted, I went astray. I didn't walk as I should have. But now I keep your word. They cause me to see how I should be walking and what I should be doing. Or he said this a little later on. It is good for me that I have been afflicted. Why? That I might learn your statutes. They have driven me to the word of God. When I got that text, it called for an answer. It called for an answer from the scriptures. And when we are confronted with trials, whether they're ours or others, they will draw us to learn God's word. They're good. They help me understand more of my stewardship. Or, if you would, turn to our one other verse in Psalm 119 as well. I know, O Lord, that your judgments are right, and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. You have such a plan for my life, and they're good. Turn, if you would, please, to 1 Peter. Wait. Maybe you're still in 2 Peter. Go to 1 Peter, chapter 1. And look at verse 6. 
thinking about trials. Peter wrote, he said this, and this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, just a little while compared to life, in a little while, if need be, God says we need them, you have been grieved by various trials. Why, verse 7, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see what he's saying here? They're important. They hurt, yes. We need them to grow. And one thing they're going to do is show us whether we're saved or not. I remember years ago talking with a guy. He owned a donut shop in um, New York, in Baldwinsville. I forgot about that. I was thinking it was a car. Anyway, he owned a donut shop. He used to be in co contract work. And so we would go in and have coffee and donuts and talk. And he made this statement to me one time. He said, I didn't realize what trials were till I became a Christian. And then they just came on me from every direction. And when he told me that, I was a little frustrated because my conclusion was the Christian life should be easier for me. But as I grew, and you know, it, it caused me to get a whole different perspective in reality. He was right because they draw us to the Word of God. They draw us to prayer. They draw us to God. And they are good. Reading the Bible allows me to be certain of things that God has said. I'm reminded of the reality of the final authority on things. We read in Isaiah, to the law and to the testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Do you see the authority of the word of God there? And as we think about it, it ties, yes, to trials. And it helps me understand that life is hard. But they draw me to the scriptures. The trials draw me to my Savior. The trials draw me to pray for one another. They real, cause me to realize you're praying for me. And all of a sudden what seemed to be bad isn't so bad after all. Now, if you aren't in the Bible, how are you going to know these things? How are we going to be ready to minister if we aren't growing in the Word of God. Now, most of you have your Bible at every service. Why? One reason, so you can see for yourself and not taking somebody's word for it. That is good. That's what you ought to be doing. Using the tool that God has given you. There it is. There's another thing we need to understand about our stewardship with the gospel, and it is this. To neglect reading the Bible is to neglect my stewardship. See, just as with Paul, so God has entrusted all his children with the instruction book. Uh, we don't know what to believe or do apart from Scripture. That's where we are in life. And notice the prayer of the psalmist based upon the person of God. Look at what he says here. He says, 
You are good, as he says to God. You do good, thus teach me your statutes. As he reflects upon the person of God and his goodness, he says, I want more. I want to learn. Some actually argue. That's right. Some actually argue that they have a right to ignore the Bible. That's not true of God's children. Whether reading it, meditating on it, memorizing it, we need to be doing what God wants. The argument isn't with the preachers, with God. And sad to say, there are those who demonstrate the Bible is not important. Now, let me share something here. I remember my first Bible. It's right here. Okay? I just tore it. It broke the cover. Anyway, this is my first Bible when I got saved. Okay? After I got saved. It's got frayed edges, torn covers, underlining, other stuff in it, tape, and so on. What happens when you use your Bible? It wears out. So what do you do? You get a new one, right? I mean, many of us have new Bibles, okay? And when you get a new Bible, remember that verse that you memorized that was in the upper left-hand corner? And now it's down here on the other page. And that frustration, if you've never faced that, get a new Bible. Because, see, as we grow, what was old, we, we have to replace it because we want more. We want to use it. It's hard to go from one to another, but at times we need to. Besides, you need bigger print, too. And then, last, to neglect my stewardship of reading the Bible is to neglect God and his will and my soul. All those wrapped together. And sad to say there are those who believe reading the Bible is unimportant. See, what ends up happening is this. The Bible sits during the week on the table, untouched. I hope that isn't true in your household. Some bring their Bibles if it's convenient. At times, little children will bring toys, but where's their Bible? But then when they get a little older, they find the privilege of bringing their Bible. But sometimes it just sits there for adults and children ready to maybe be picked up for next Sunday and taken to church. That's sad. But I think of the excitement when children get to bring their own Bibles and carry them, and, and they go to their pastor and say, look, and they show me their Bible. Sometimes it's a small New Testament. Sometimes it varies. But it's a tool that if they can carry something, it ought to be with them. Do we teach that? Is it important to us? See, there's another direction, another something can happen. 
It reminds me of the words of the prophet Hosea when people neglect the scripture. And that is this. Here's what he wrote. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. God says this. I also will reject you from being priests for me because you have forgotten the law of your God I will forget your children. That is a scary verse. A scary passage. You've turned your back on me. I'm going to reject you. Wow. How important are the scriptures to us? One other passage where you go to Proverbs 1. Proverbs chapter 1. Look at how the writer here in Proverbs talks about it. Beginning at verse 22. Proverbs 1 verse 22. It says, How long, you simple ones, will you lose simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Verse 23. Turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Look at verse 24. Because I have called you, because I have called, and you refused. I tried to speak through my word, and you didn't want it. I have stretched out my hand, and no one regarded it. Because you have disdained all my counsel, referring to the word of God, and would have none of my rebuke, I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes. You see the difference? When we want to reject God's word, his will, don't be surprised if he laughs. And we say, Lord, help me. Well, I gave you the answer. You didn't want it. Should not our attitude be that of Psalm 143? Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of righteousness. Shouldn't we pray like that? Or again, Psalm 119. I thought on my way, turned my feet to your testimonies. I made haste now and did not to delay to keep your commandments. Picture the worker who ignores his tools. You can't do your job. You might lose your job. You might reap the consequences. That's what he's saying when we ignore the scriptures. We have been entrusted, you and I who name Christ, with the word of God. We need to take it seriously. Too often, we might end up living like practical atheists. The Bible sits around till the next church service. And then we might use it again if it's convenient. And you know what? It all begins with our hearts. Just as we've seen. Are we rich toward God? Then let's show it by delving into his word. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord. The Bible isn't important to you. 
maybe you ought to say, answer the question, why not? Maybe, just maybe, it's because you don't know the Lord of the Bible. And you need to be trusting him, calling upon him, whom to know is eternal life. Might we look at our lives for his work? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity you've given us to come to you. And we do pray that you would guide us as we close, that we would go forth in your glory. When we reflect upon our lives, leaving here with the desire to please you. In Jesus' name.